Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. It's good to see most of you, some of you wearing uh, bears or Vikings. Uh, there's no lions, but, but I, I, I'm, I don't know how great it is. It's great to see your face, not, not what you're wearing, I, I suppose. Uh, want to, I want to welcome everybody to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ Sunday morning worship service. We are going through basically for the first uh, little bit of the year, we're looking at selflessness and just, we, we looked originally at selfishness and said that's not what we want to be. And now we're looking at selflessness, specifically the selflessness of Jesus. And I, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, when I'm preparing a lot of these, or w- every lesson that I've prepared, I can say with honesty, I felt pretty challenged by, and I felt that I am falling short continually, and I almost... I almost feel embarrassed sharing a lot of it. If, if, so if you'll just work with me here, this is, this lesson is, is just like all the others though, is what I, what I mean to say. Um, we're, we're in John 11. I don't know if you guys have a, if there's some football team that you're rooting for today. Do we have anybody who's rooting for the Chiefs or not really? Amen. We have one, <laughs> we have one, <laughs> amen. <laughs> well, there's two, uh, okay. So we have Joe Lay and we have, Miss Tucker, we have both. And, and I would say that, uh, prior to somebody coming on this church planting, I was rooting for the Chiefs. And now I think I'm probably still rooting for the Chiefs, if I'll be honest. But I'm, I, there we go. And then, so everyone else is neutral or Buccaneers. Is that right? I know we have the Michigan people. So that makes more sense, I suppose. <laughs> Must be nice. Uh, here we go. We're, we're in John 11. And, and the big takeaway, we're talking today about selflessness and selfless energy. The big takeaway that, that I hope that we pull is that one of the best gauges of our selflessness is how we respond to others in high stress situations. And you'll see Jesus here. You, I mean, we can pull literally, I bet you, you can pull at any chapter that, that has a narrative about Jesus and you'd be able to identify the same stuff. Uh, but we're, we're just looking at, at one, it's actually a story I think we're pretty familiar with. We're going to read most of John 11. Uh, we'll pause and, and break it up a little bit. Uh, but I, I want you to consider for a moment right now, when someone alerts you of an issue, an issue that they're going through, it could be, it could be a health, some, something health related. That's a one-time thing. It could be something with their family or it, it could be something else altogether. There, there's a, a tragedy or something difficult that happened. They, they perhaps lost a job or they're, they're struggling financially or there's something that happens. What is your immediate response? Rhetorical question, but it's worthy to think about as we, as we look at what, what Jesus does in, in these high stress situations. What is your immediate response when somebody shares something with you that, that's, that's difficult that there's not a clear answer to? So we're, we're over here. We're in John 11 and uh, we'll, we'll just start right here in verse one. 
It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now that, that happens a couple of chapters later, but John's writing 70 years, or narrating 70 years basically later. So he's, he's kind of able to organize his thoughts uh, effectively. It says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. We'll pause here. There's some interesting stuff to unpack as, as I guess most of the Bible, uh, there's just interesting stuff to, to pull out and to try to even begin to understand. But we, we're left with this interaction that Jesus has and that Lazarus and really this whole family that he's pretty connected to. But the guy Lazarus, the Lazarus, the one that he loves is how he's identified. He's sick. And I, I just pick out a couple of things. Right here, the first that I really latch onto is if you'll catch it. I, I, some of you guys chuckled too as we as we heard it. It said, "Now Jesus in verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And you think about this situation, right? That we we said that there's a stressful situation somebody brings to you. What's your immediate response? Usually, at least on on my end, it's let me talk to them and get and be physically present with them as soon as I possibly can. There's so I need to be able to interact if, if they're within now. G, I mean, this is within a, a short uh, span. Jesus could have walked the distance in a day and uh, roughly a day. And so he, he could have literally been there, right? He said, Oh, let's go right now. And he said he loved him so much. So he waited there two days. Doesn't make it. Well, it doesn't make that much sense right away. And I, 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 I think the, the response or the reason why though is, is a little bit later. Uh, he said in verse 15, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. And so, so catch me here. I, I think so, so often when somebody shares a situation and specifically even with, uh, there was a situation that was shared that our response and is is to immediately be there and try to fix or try to be present for this physical need. Jesus' concern is always a spiritual need. 
And, and for you and I, if we're going to be effective and if we're going to be really, really selfless in these situations, we have to follow Jesus's example to be those who are focused on, on the spiritual welfare of somebody more than the physical welfare of, of that individual. You know, it's, it's tough. I, I think that, that it'd be like if we went to a doctor, or if you think of any kind of doctor and, and Anytime you go to a doctor's office, it's a little bit weird to start out, right? You're, there's, there's, you're a little bit leery. It's the first time I know we've, we've gone through this and there was an interaction and we just said, well, we're not going to have this same doctor. Like, I feel like if you're a doctor, there's a one strike and you're out policy personally, uh, that, that if there's one mess up, it's like, we're done. Uh, because, because, I mean, you're in school for so many years, whatever, what I mean, you, you hear me now. It's one strike, you're out. And so, Anyways, though, you think about a doctor, and if you were to show up to a doctor, and as we all do, I think we're all kind of our own doctors now that there's the internet, right? There's something going on with my finger, so I look it up, and without fail, it's always cancerous, somehow. Like, somehow, we always, this is just me, right? I'm, I'm looking up, and you're like, it always ends with something the worst possible. I, they're going to have to amputate my, my finger, without a doubt. This is where we, we all go, I, I think, pretty frequently. So then you go to the doctor, and you share, this is what's going on with me. And any good doctor certainly looks at what's going on on the outside, but then they also start asking some some questions. So did anything happen to make this occur? Will there's always blood work somehow? We're going to take some blood work and, and figure out what's going on inside, and and maybe we'll take some X-rays, and maybe we'll. And there's so much that just looking on the surface, perhaps the doctor has the solution. However, they're they're. Concern any good doctor is going to look at the whole picture and then, and then make a distinction. Uh, for you and I, so often when, when we're faced with somebody sharing a difficult situation with us, if our immediate response is, let me give them everything that I've got and be totally there without calling on God and without really considering their spiritual needs, then it, it's just like the doctor that sees one little thing and decides to, to fix this, this big problem. Uh, w- without actually figuring out what the what the real issue is, if 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 we're going to be spiritual people, we do, we just have to be able to see past what's going on right in front of of our faces. Certainly, uh, and it's diff- this is it's difficult the more uh, imminent or the, the the more imminent danger is. I think in in these situations, uh, any kind of stressful time. My response, I need to be physically there. I, I, I remember there's more than a few times even in, in different family situations where I, my, Bianca actually helps me with this a lot, where my immediate response is I, I'm a fixer. I have to show up there and I have to be there. And I just, she's like, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't really know. I just got to be there. And she's like, do you really? What is your concern now? Or do you want them to? And she says it in a, in a much more loving way. But what I pull is, do you, do you want to be their God or do you want God to be their God. And, and if, if I want God to be their God, then maybe the response is to take a step back and actually consider more than, more than just try to fix the, the physical need. And so we, now we have Jesus. We're going to keep reading. We have Jesus now. He's noticed there's, there's this issue. It's been alerted to him. And now he's going to make his way to, to solve this, this big issue. It says in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard 
that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had, had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Stop here. One of the most emotional times, certainly, of of anyone's life is the, the loss of a loved one. And this is exactly what's going on. And it wasn't the, the funeral procession of the funeral time in that day. I mean, it's a hot culture, and so bodies decompose very quickly. The same, usually the same day that somebody uh, dies is when they're buried. And there's mourners that are hired. They're literally hired hands to mourn and to wail and to be loud and, and to help the, the grieving actually grieve. And so there's a bunch, certainly, of commotion. And actually, that commotion, if, if you'll follow, had already passed. The funeral procession, procession likely would have already passed. He's already in this tomb now. And it's been four days, and you think about this is like true decomposition. So many people will point to uh, in Jesus' life that it was some kind of magical trick, all of the stuff that, that he did. And it was, it was just sleight of hand, essentially. And the, the reality is if somebody dies for a second, maybe it's, there's a bit of sleight of hand, I guess. You know, I gave him this special potion, whatever. This guy's been dead four days. And, and Jesus, he said all of it. He said, no, I'm, I'm doing this for them so that they're going to see you, so that they're going to write about it and we're going to read about it and talk about how amazing he is years and years down the line. So, so right here though, we're, we're on one hand, our concern needs to be on the spiritual situation, certainly on, on where somebody's at, what, what is going on that's a little bit deeper. If you and I are going to be great doctors of people's hearts, then we need to bring them to the great physician, Jesus. But we also need to be able to ask good questions and get down, get dirty, absolutely. But Jesus, more than any of us, had an opportunity to be pretty matter-of-fact in his, in his approach, right? 
Literally, Jesus did not even have to go to the place in order to heal this, this, this man. If he is God, and he did it at different points. There's, you guys are familiar, the, the faith of the centurion, basically, the guy says, you can, you don't even have to come into my house. You can, you can heal this guy. You don't even have to. And Jesus says, man, I've never seen this great of faith in, in all of Israel. He's healed. He doesn't have to go interact in this situation. He does not have to go smell what he's smelling as he, as he goes and the tomb gets opened later on that we'll read. He doesn't, he doesn't have to be physically present. He doesn't have to put his arm, as I imagine, around Martha and Mary, and yet he decides to. And so it is more certainly we're focused on the spiritual firstly and primarily, but there's a level that, that we have to be able to engage emotionally as well. And, and I can say for myself, hearing the, the first part, I'm, it's difficult, but I'm fired up by the first part being focus on the spiritual. The second part of being engaged, uh, is, is pretty difficult. This is all stuff that if we are going to be those who are able to help people come to a knowledge of the truth, we have to be very good at. I, I was just on the phone yesterday with a good friend of mine who was sharing a situation that, uh, that pretty, pretty dark situation with, uh, one of the, the people that, that he's really close to, um, in, in, in his ministry. And he, he's sharing and, and this brother had been struggling time and time again. It feels like with, with similar, uh, similar really deep, deep issues. I'm being, uh, pretty vague on purpose and, my immediate response without thinking is often, oh, bro, just shake the dust off your feet. No big deal. Uh, let him, if he's going to go, he's going to go. It's not, it's not the end of the world. You know, stop crying. And this is in, in my sin. This is quickly where I want to go. That I'll, you know, it's a spiritual battle. You know, it's so no, no worries. I literally, I, I found myself talking in this conversation and getting right to that point. And then totally stopping and just asking, Hey, how do you feel? About, how, how are you feeling though? And he's like, man, I'm, I'm stressed out. I, I have this on my plate and that on my plate. And then, uh, there's good stuff happening, but it doesn't feel like there's good stuff happening. And then, and then he goes to share about somebody else who's going through some tough stuff, uh, that, that he's very close to as well. And I, I just, I just mean to say that, that you have to be able to identify when someone shares, where's your immediate response? Are you going to, uh, are you, you quick to tell them what the right answer is? Or are you, are you quick to be too sympathetic towards them without leading them to God? Either way, Jesus did this perfectly. You, you, you read here that Jesus wept. And so I, I think it's such a beautiful example of these hired hand mourners just days before would have been wailing and had no real, uh, certain, probably even connection with, with Lazarus. They would have been loud and demonstrative. And then you have Jesus, the God of the universe, who, who just decides, man, I, my, my tears are falling. I'm, it, this hurts so bad. There was a commentary that, that I, I, I read that I, I think connects really well because a question that I have, and maybe you have as well, is why would Jesus, he knew he was going to raise him from the dead from the, from the jump. Why would he cry? Why is that something that he, he was moved to do. And, and we're speculating. I, I, certainly he was connected to the individuals so closely that, that it just, it hurt him to see them suffer. That's absolutely some of it. But I, I read a commentary that communicated that perhaps Jesus was way more concerned with the 
end result of sin, which brings death, than he was with, with anything that was going on. Seeing death face to face, this is the result of sin, right? And the sin leads to death. And, and so we are all going to die of life. We, we understand this is true. Sin leads to death. And Jesus was firsthand able to see this is what sin does. And it hurt his heart so much. If we're, if we're going to have an impact that God wants us to have, then, then it's helpful to go back to the, what we just, we talked about at the beginning and, and your heart to really identify where, where do I fall more on? That I'm very matter of fact. I'm going to tell somebody the truth. And yeah, it's in love, but maybe a little bit more truth than love a lot of times. And I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to give to these people anymore. And if, and if you're in that camp, Jesus has a great response for you, or maybe you're, you're in the camp that says, I need to be there. I need to listen. I need to ask all these questions. I need to be physically present. I need to put my arm around their shoulder. And when they say things, I, I need to be very focused on bandaging up the outside and, and to which Jesus would, would give you uh, a, a different response as well. Uh, here, let, let's, let's keep reading here as we, as we close up and really prepare our hearts to take a communion. Uh, here, here we go. It's in, it's in verse 38. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, and you think Martha, right? She has faith that he's going to, she's going to, or Jesus is going to heal. And yet even now on the, on the, the brink of it, she says, I, are you sure about this? Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said, I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Think about this interaction, right? And we have the whole narrative then of Jesus, his disciples telling him, hey, you maybe shouldn't go because you're going to get stoned. Jesus being unconcerned that he's going to get stoned. His concern is literally on helping Lazarus and showing them how powerful he is. And then he gets to the point where he's about to raise him and he's speaking in, in such a way, he literally already thanks God, thank God, thank you for already doing this, but it hadn't been done yet. I thank you that you heard me. It's powerful because he didn't yet say, Lazarus, come out. But he's saying, no, God, I know God's going to do it. I'm so grateful that God has already done what he said he was going to do. For you and I, I wonder how often, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult challenge, but it's a different level of faith to be able to, Pray for things 
as if they've already happened, but they haven't happened yet. I don't know if you've done that frequently, but it's something I know for myself that just even saying it out loud, God, I thank you that you let this person become a disciple. And they're not, they're not even a follower of Christ yet. God, I, I, I'm so grateful that you allowed this and this and the other thing to happen. And you feel like, man, I, how can I possibly say that to God? And yet Jesus was a perfect example for us, said it to his father. Certainly this is pointing to uh, just shortly after Jesus dying on a cross and then raising again. As Jesus, I, I, as, I, as I view it, this Mary, Martha, even, even Lazarus, when Jesus is dying and then he's, he's dead and he's laying in the tomb, I, I wonder if they, more than the others, had a, just a little bit more faith. Like, no, we've seen this firsthand. He's, he's, he did it before. Maybe he'll take off his grave clothes. Maybe he'll get up and, and be raised again. You know, you and I, we, we understand that we're, we're living in a time that, that it is, it's known Jesus absolutely rose from the dead. Otherwise we would not be here and, and there'd be no point to our faith if Jesus hadn't risen again. As we, as we take communion, it, it's absolutely, it's a time to remember Jesus dying on a cross for you and I to give us the opportunity for him to not, now certainly not weep in the same way that even he wept for Lazarus because I'm sure, sure, certainly I think he's sad when we sin, absolutely. But this weeping doesn't have to take place because he literally paid the price to give us the opportunity to not die again, not die the spiritual death. So as we as we take communion, we're going to pray right now, listen to a song. Uh, please take a moment to consider what he's done certainly for you, but then consider that that his grave clothes were neatly folded when he rose from the dead and he never died again. Amen. Let's uh, let's pray uh, for the communion. Dear God, Lord, we are we're so grateful for your son. We're grateful for his example, certainly on a day-to-day basis. Father, it is so challenging to look at, to look at his life and, and God know that we just fall short time and time again. God, we want to be those who help other people. We want to be those who are selfless. God, we want to be those who are selfless with our energy and who are able to literally put ourselves on the side and, and promote you, God, to lift you up in our speech, in our actions, uh, lift you up according to what everyone sees, God, as well. We just want to ask that, that you, you move individually in all of our lives. God, please move collectively in this church. God, I pray that, uh, that, that our gratitude will just well up, Father, and that you will look down on us and just be so, so fired up that, that your children are loving and serving you. Father, this is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. If you're in the Kalamazoo area, we'd love to get connected. Please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week.
estresados. 